Alright everybody, welcome to the Backward Fantasy Show. And I got a special treat for everybody today. I've got Tyler from the uh, F3. The, the uh, Go ahead and tell them all about F3. We're big fans, and I know there's uh, fans of our show that's also big fans of F3. So, Tyler, before we get started, tell them what the show's all about. Tell them what Tyler's all about. <laughs> uh, just I'm about some fantasy football. Just I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm a big fan as well as the, of the back row. Uh, but no, I, you know, fantasy, uh, the fantasy football franchise is kind of what we're called F three, you know, the enunciated or whatever version, I don't know the, the brought it down, but F three, we're just about building people's franchise. If that's, you know, you winning your redraft league every year, then we're all about helping you get there. If you're all about dynasty, we're happy to get you there. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that we just love is we pride ourselves in the word prove it. We don't like to just say, well, we like this person. He's a running back, you know, one to me or running back two. Okay, prove it. You know, why, why do you feel that way? And so we're actually going through um, the NFC right now, team by team, you know, position by position. And we do things differently. We don't just talk about these players. We say, hey, here is their catch percentage. Here is their, you know, uh, improvements for points versus targets and you know we, we throw some what we like to call some daters at you we don't just say we like this guy okay well there's tons of people saying they like this guy well, you know why do you like him and so uh, that's what we like we like doing that at the franchise plus we have an awesome catchy song and, and some writers and stuff like that so check us out at f3 pod not only not only a catchy song but a much better abbreviation than our show we we try to be cool and try to say you know hashtag brfs it just doesn't work as well as f3 f3 is just so much easier like and and the song is catchy i mean i don't think we're changing ours anytime soon because we love our we love our track but if i had to listen to one on a six hour drive which is what i did you know a few days ago i'm in north carolina out of the the studio area at the moment but if i had to drive six hours and listen to our opening or f3's opening i'm probably gonna go with f3 it's such a catchy tune it is, it is, and uh, it has our motto of just welcome to the franchise. You know, we, we want people to feel a part of this. We're not just above everybody. We just like to put, you know, put some data down, let you think about it, you know, what our thoughts are on it, and just welcome to the franchise. So let's get going. And so, and the only thing that sinks about F3, it does roll off the tongue, but I can't tell you how many people on Twitter sometimes will message us and be like, I look for you all on iTunes, and there's nothing that pops up for F3. So I'm like, well, we're technically the fantasy football franchise. Uh, we, we added the F3, F to the third, technically, because we're all math people. We really enjoy math, and so it's like F to the third power. And that's the most nerdiest thing I've said today. So I'll. But it, but it makes sense. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, I, makes, it just it, makes sense. I didn't need it explained to me. I knew that I knew that F three, you know, was stood for a a, a lineup of, of three F words. Luckily, none of which are obscene. <laughs> so I mean, it works out fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We actually don't cuss on our podcast. So we don't either. Funny. I think well, we have a few go. times though. We've had like some hell damn fart type stuff, but nothing major. Like if somebody's going to get offended from a from a H bomb or, or a D bomb, then eh, you probably shouldn't listen to any podcast. But yes, keeping it clean, I'm sure Tyler agrees with me. You want to appeal to everybody. You don't want somebody to turn your show off because you dropped one word. You know, like eh, it, well, it's just not I, worth it's, it. I want everybody. Even us. I mean, we really in real life, like like some people talk about you know. 
but we, we we just don't really in real life we don't cuss in real life it's just not and nothing against those who do have friends that do it's just it's just not who we are so why change who we are i mean our podcast we've been doing this podcast uh, we started at F3 in January, and a lot of people were like, oh, y'all seem so comfortable and chemistry. I'm like, we've been best friends since high school. Um, and so this wasn't – all we did was start recording what we were saying. We used to argue about fantasy football all the time and start throwing stats at each other and all this stuff. And we finally just were like, we just need to record this crap. Like, so this isn't yeah. – you know, we, I say we've been podcasting since January, but really we've been talking fantasy football for I don't know how many years now. Yeah. So – <laughs> and it works, man. Like, I mean, let, let me not to brag on both of our shows, because obviously, you know, we're small fish in a big pond. But I feel like F3 and the Back Row Fantasy Show has got some really solid, like, really good group of people that follow and want more. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you and, and your dude are really close. And me and my two guys, we've been friends for, you know... 15 years. I mean, we've, we've all lived in the same house at one point. So, I mean, it, it brings a certain oh, yeah. dynamic to our shows. We I, did too. I think we did yeah. too in college. <laughs> yeah. And I think it brings a certain dynamic. I mean, it's so much, it's so easy to play off each other when you know each other. And, uh, and I'm not slamming any pods. I listen to a lot of pods and I love a lot of pods, but there's some pods out there. You can tell these guys don't know each other and it still works because they, you know, I'm sure they get they together. Football. They know football. They get together and talk about it, but uh, I think luckily, I don't know if you guys have ever won it, but me, Chad, and, and uh, Aaron, you know, Arms and Knit, we will literally just get together one night with no notes, nothing wrote down, and we just wing it. I mean, I, I'll throw a topic on the table, like here it is, and it just works somehow sometimes. So, little oh, yeah. little, oh, little yeah. advantage when you're when you're friends of your co-host. Absolutely. So, but thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about the show. Um, that's us. Uh, I hope you, you go on the website, the FF franchise, uh, com. We got a bunch of articles. We got a, a great group of writers. Absolutely. Uh, a fantastic it's a, group. It's so a great site, some great writers, a great looking t-shirt and good guys. We started talking to them, you know, as soon as we started up our podcast and Niddle in particular, I think has talked to, to Tyler the most, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's mutual respect and we're happy for one another that we're, that we're doing this and it's, and it's led to some connections like, you know, John Kelly and for us, Steve Slayton. And it's just, it's just cool. It opens up some doors and me and Tyler, you know, getting to do this show for you guys because we both decided to do podcasts. It's a cool thing that brings people together. So thanks for coming on the show, Tyler. It's been a long time in the making, uh, you know, scheduling is hard, but we knew F3 was coming on the show and hopefully vice versa from the get go. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to be on here. So let's do it. Me too. So we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do some bold predictions. Like I said, I'm in North Carolina, and Tyler, I assume you're not in your hometown either right now because you're in uh, the Central Time Zone. Where are you at right now? No, no, no I'm at home. Oh, I'm you are. I'm at my kitchen right now. Yeah, uh, I, I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Bowling Green. Uh, so Kentucky is actually split. Oh. Right in the middle for uh, yeah, Eastern and sta- and Central Time Zone. Yes, so, it is. I forgot. It makes for some really weird moments because, like you know, I used to like be a soccer coach and stuff like that, and it just depended on who who you were playing, like whether or not you know, like it says it starts at eight, but are they central or are they eastern? Let me tell you that that's a fun conversation. So uh, it's a mess, but no, I'm home. I'm sitting I'm, around 
at my house. I'm in the know now. I'm uh, at my parent at my father's house in North Carolina, coming to you from Monroe, North Carolina. It's about six hours from home, but I've got friends that went to Bowling Green, so I thought I knew exactly where Tyler was at, and he threw me off with the uh, "Let's do this uh, podcast Central time." I'm like, "What? Where the heck are you at?" But uh, that explains yep. a lot. I'm in the know now. Yep. So yep, yep. let's uh, let's start this out. We're going to give you guys some bold predictions because me and Tyler, you know, much like we've been friends forever, just like me, arms and knit. We're just throwing this one together for you because we want to put some content out. And we were excited to do it together. So Tyler, lead us off. With a bold prediction, whether it be fantasy, whether it be NFL, uh, for 2018. So, if we're not doing any position, I think this is going to be my bold projection. You can do whatever uh, you want. Any position, okay. any team, any outcome. All right, well then let me just throw off the hip. Here's somebody that I really have been liking. Traquan Smith will be the newest dynasty and fantasy asset to own. He will be the new hotness. Uh, the reason I say Traquan Smith is I think that we all didn't talk up Traquan Smith a lot in the Dynasty community, uh, but Traquan Smith was taken in the third round by the, by the Saints, for those of you that don't know. So, and the reason I like him is because I feel like he is so undervalued, and I feel like we've seen the Saints in the last few years, if you don't remember, uh, Last year, they got Alvin Kamara in the third round, and they also got um, Michael Thomas the year before in the second round. I feel like at this point, when Sean Payton picks out an offensive weapon, we need to listen, and we need to watch him. He is one of my favorite cheap pit players to own. I own him in a lot of different places. Now, the counter-argument is, well, they went out and got Cameron Meredith. Um, and, you know, they can't support two wide receivers, okay? Well, Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas were both there oh, at yeah. one point. Both were very, you know, prolific at their roles. Now, granted, that was before Alvin Kamara, but we could also see them trying to migrate more to Drew Brees throwing. The other thing with Cameron Meredith is that Cameron Meredith um, had a, a major knee injury, and then not only that, but the latest news I've seen on Cameron Meredith is that he could be ready for some team reps in June. So could be be. and also June, that's not like so he may be playing right now, we're not sure. So the person that's getting the most snaps right now with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas is Traquan Smith. I think that Traquan Smith and that's the whole point, it's hot takes, but I think Traquan Smith is gonna be this next year's like Cooper Cup. He's going to be that court, you know, that wide receiver. I don't think he has wide receiver one upside because I think Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, but I think that he is going to increase in value for where you're getting him in dynasty leagues. So that's my hot take. Traquan Smith is the guy to own outside of Michael Thomas at the, you know, at the wide receiver position at the Saints. I like it. I mean, last year, in all honesty, outside of Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn had a pretty solid year. But and he's but, getting older. He's getting older, but outside, but it took him a little bit to get going. So I mean, outside of that, regardless of the, whether they picked up Cam Meredith or not, there's opportunity there. It may not look like it because you've got names on paper that are fantasy relevant 
from you know Meredith's time with the Bears, Ted Ginn's season last year. But honestly, it took Ted Ginn a minute to get going. It's going to take Meredith a minute to get going. And like Tyler said, with the reps that uh, Traquan's getting, there is opportunity there. So I like that bold take. And not a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know, of the same opinion. So it's a really good dart throw that Tyler just threw at you with Traquan Smith. He's also kind of a uh, dynasty darling at the moment. So I like it. And I'm uh, I'm going to stick with uh, the wide receiver position. And I'm going to be a little bit of a homer. I am going to predict for fantasy purposes, Albert Wilson of the Miami Dolphins is going to have at minimum an 80 reception season. I, I love this. I wish he didn't take it because I, th- this was my next one, but continue. I love Albert Wilson. Continue. I love it. I, well, the loss of Landry is opening up a ton of targets. I'm not a Devonte Parker believer. Uh, I like Kenny Stills, but I think he's more of a game breaker. Uh, he's not that much of a target monster. Tannehill has improved a little bit with his deep ball game, which is where Stills excels. Uh, but Albert Wilson, he's gonna he's gonna eat underneath, and he's gonna eat on you know zone targets. And I he's already looked good in camp. And I know they got Mike Jacecki, but rookie tight ends historically. Don't put up big numbers, big target shares. So Albert Wilson is, is a guy I've been watching. As soon as I saw they signed him in free agency, I was instantly excited. Because if you think about it, Kansas City has never supported more than one fantasy-relevant receiver. And I can't say never. Maybe they have before my memory. But in recent memory, Kansas City hasn't supported more than one fantasy-wide receiver. And uh, I'm not saying Albert Wilson is as good or better than Tyreek Hill or a Dwayne Bow when he was relevant. But... Miami can support two fantasy-relevant receivers. They can definitely support one, uh, you know, underneath and in the zone, and I think Albert Wilson is going to be that guy. Danny is there, but his uh, his track history is not, not healthy all the time. I don't expect him to all of a sudden be a pillar of health going into his age 33 season, I believe. So Albert Wilson's a guy I've been looking at, and uh, that's my bold prediction. I think Albert Wilson is an 80-catch receiver at minimum, and you can grab him really late in dynasty startups right now and his trade value is still you know minimal so that's a guy i'm targeting yeah no i, I like that a lot and i think that with gasecki i think he's gonna have a role but i don't think he's gonna have as big of a role as most people want him to right i think we have that perfect storm of seeing evan ingram where there was no targets or no one there and evan ingram just busting out but uh let me throw out a little statistic for you uh so I helped Addison Hayes do a little bit for ffstatistics.com. One of the things I helped them do was we kind of, uh, you know, got together some Z scores talking about its average, its average points that a player plays and a Z score also mixes in the standard deviation. So how, how far are we away from that average Z score? Um, uh, so you can even have a Z score anywhere from negative three to three. Evan Ingram last year had a 2.2 and for his first season, which was the third best of any tight end in the last eight years. So basically, he, he was, there's only been two other tight ends since the, in the last eight years that have done as well as Evan Ingram in their first season. So basically, I'm just trying to say that's a really rare. It doesn't happen often. And so I feel like we kind of have a little bit more higher expectations for Mike Kosecki than we probably should. I'm not saying I dislike him. I'm just saying that I feel like we may be putting the bar a little higher for him than than I feel comfortable with in some ways. So, And I have to agree. I mean, Mike Jacecki, I believe, is going to get every opportunity. Uh, 
to be what Evan Ingram was for New York last year, but I I don't necessarily I, I think it would be naive for us to expect the same result just because of the opportunity. So absolutely, and no, I love Albert Wilson. I, I I've said that before. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill. I don't feel like that offense is going to change their way that they want to use a slot wide receiver. No, uh, no, I think just they signed magically, him. I, I don't. Yeah, exactly, and I don't trust Daniel Amendola, so I have to default to the next person in line, which would be Albert Wilson. So that I love that hot take um, deal, Yahtzee. Yahtzee. Uh, I, I will go with my next one, and this is um, – but I think one of the best value running backs that you will find this year has to be Joe Williams from the 49ers. Wow. I love it. I, That's a hot take. It is. It is hot take all the way to the max. But and if it's not Joe Williams, it's the other uh, running back there. What is Carlos, his name? Carlos Carlos Chicken Fried Burrito. <laughs> yeah. Um, or Burrito. We like to call him. Yeah, we like Matt Burrito. It might be Matt Burrito or it Matt might Burita. be Joe Williams. But I would I would go out and I would get both of them for nothing. The problem I'm having is that we all just want to assume that Jarek McKinnon is the the workhorse back because he's new and he's signed and blah 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 but the problem i have is that last for the last four years Jarrett mckinnon has not been that for the last four years Jarrett mckinnon was sharing roles with matt asiata i mean last year even when dalvin cook went down latavius murray was taking reps like we forget about that, and not just some reps, like half the reps. Like Latavius Murray finishes running back um, twenty in standard in standard uh, f- uh, formats. I mean, w- we forget how much he actually played a part in it. Uh, twenty running back twenty five in PPR, Latavius Murray with two hundred and sixteen carries, uh, and then Jarrett McKinnon only had a hundred and fifty carries. So Latavius Murray had more snaps than uh, Jared McKinnon. Now, Jared McKinnon played more of a passing role in that offense, and I think that that's something to be said and something that's of value. I'm not trying to diminish uh, Jared McKinnon. He got 60, or he had 68 targets for, or 68 targets, 51 receptions for 421 yards. That's Jared McKinnon. But the problem I'm having is just handing over a guy who has never been a workhorse back this idea that he is going to be the workhorse back. The guy is 209 pounds, 5'9". So he's not very big. He's not that build. And with his receptions, his receptions that he had last year or his targets, the person he close, most closely identifies with, if you start looking at his targets he got last year, Jarrett McKinnon, you're looking at um, Kareem Hunt, who that's a great comparison. But Kareem Hunt had a lot more carries, almost double the carries. If you're looking at receptions, though, Jartavius Allen, Giovanni Bernard, Tariq Cohen, Theo Riddick. Those are the people that got targeted as much as he did, all of which are really excellent scatbacks. And there's nothing wrong with that. But my problem is, is that who is the and then? Because I don't think Jared McKinnon is the workhorse back we want him to be. Not at 209 pounds. He wasn't the workhorse back at the Vikings who he had the best situation you could possibly be in with Latavius Murray coming back from an injury and Dalvin Cook being out. Why wasn't he the workhorse back then? 
that that's my question. And so I think that Joe Williams or Matt Burita, who both are super cheap, are almost must buys because I don't see how they don't go up. I think that they're one of them will be the one and two down back. Yeah, and that's and and even though that's a hot take, that's also a very logical take. Because um, everything Tyler just said, everything you just said, Tyler, about Jarek McKinnon with his time in the Vikings is true. I, I mean, he if he was going to be that guy, you would think we would have already saw that with the situation in Minnesota. Now, I, I will say this. We had Steve Slayton on the show partly for a reason. Because we talked to Mitchell Renz. Mitchell Renz did a blind comparison between uh, Steve Slayton and Jarek McKinnon, actually. And the size, the measurables, and... The production per touch basis is pretty similar as to what Steve Slayton did in his rookie year. And I'm a big McKinnon guy. I believe in him. I think he is going to be that guy only because Kyle Shanahan is the guy that brought him in. Kyle Shanahan is going to know how to use him. But on the flip side, you do have to pay attention to exactly what you just said, Tyler. He's never done it. He's never been a workhorse. And Matt Brady looked pretty good last year as a rookie. And I'm buying shares of him everywhere, despite my belief in McKinnon. If you can't admit that you could possibly be wrong on a player take, that's where you that's where you can fail in fantasy football. So Matt Breda is a great buy. And, and, and Joe Williams. Cheap. And it's cheap. Let's say you are wrong. Let's suppose that, you know, let's say Jarrett McKinnon does work out. Okay, well, what did you pay for Jared, you know, for Matt Breda and, you know, Williams? Almost nothing. Almost Next nothing. to nothing. Yeah. Somebody so, that's okay, going to fail elsewhere. I lost a fourth-round well, pick and a third-round pick. No big deal. Right. But if if I'm right, and Jared McKinnon is the third down back, and, and maybe he still has fantasy value, well, you paid for that. And so that's that's great. But then you paid a third or fourth-round pick for a one and two down back at the 49ers. Yeah. And, and the, the opportunity for Bereta or Joe Williams at the price of a third or fourth is probably greater than the running back you would have drafted in the third or fourth with that pick. So I agree with you 100% on that. All right. Awesome. Hot takes. All right. And I'm glad you went running back because my next hot take is almost as hot as the name Joe Williams because no one's looking at this guy. But Devontae Booker is going to break out this year. The new hotness in Denver is Royce Freeman. Now let's be honest with ourselves. Royce Freeman was not a top prospect at the running back position in this year's draft. And I'm all about opportunity. And I like where Royce Freeman went. And I have bought shares of Royce Freeman when he falls between the 8 and 12 range in startup drafts. Because, like you just said, with uh, buying Bereta and Joe Williams, you have to take chances. So I'm taking my chances on Royce Freeman. But I'm also spending next to nothing to get Devontae Booker. A guy that they you know, spent... I believe a third or fourth round pick on that had a very successful college career at Utah. They haven't got rid of this guy. They haven't, you know, dropped him down to the bottom of the depth chart. He still got some run even when CJ Anderson was there and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think he's going to keep Royce Freeman at bay. And I think uh, Devonte Booker is one of those guys that's going to surprise people that it happens every single year. And uh, I think it's going to happen in Denver this year with Devontae Booker. I look for him to be the guy that leads Denver and carries in yards. That may not be a 1,000. That may not be, you know, top 20 fantasy back. But I think you're going to be able to use Devontae Booker because I think he's going to pace the team and carries this season. All right, so I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. I'm not a huge Freeman fan. I, I, I just, I liked him. I thought he was not talked about enough. And so that's where I'm coming from. And I know that you said... 
you know. But to me, too, a lot of people when I talk about book, uh, like uh, when I talk about, I don't know, um, not Booker, but uh, Freeman. A lot of people say, "Well, draft capital, draft capital, draft capital." He was drafted in the third round, late third round. So, but my issue is, and we we have stats to prove this up. I was actually listening to Matt Kelly in his podcast talking about how there really honestly isn't a huge difference in draft capital as far as fantasy goes between the second and third round. There is a difference when it comes to first round, but there's not as much of a difference between second and third round. Um, Fourth round is a different tier, and then finally fifth round is a really big tier drop because these people in the fifth round are looking at maybe just trying to make the team. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I like Booker. He's fine. But my problem is, is I just watching him. I'm not in love, and even the attempts he's had has not been great. I mean, for, no, granted it was a rookie year, but 174 carries, getting 612 yards and four touchdowns, just not something I'm super excited about. And he also fumbled it four times that year, so you know, just some ball security issues. Um, and then last year he only played 13 games, 179 attempts for only 299 yards. So in both cases, a 3.8 yard per carry and a 3.5 yard per carry. Now, yards per carry don't dictate fantasy. I know a lot of people want to talk about that. But what, to me, yard per carry does is it talks about how efficient they're being and if somebody else can come in and be more efficient, then they lose that job. That That's what I'm worried about. So, uh, you know what? I In saying all this, though, to, to add to your point, You know, targets, he does do really well. I mean, last year, 38 targets, 30 receptions for 275 yards. So, I mean, I could very well see him getting in some work, and I think that he could get in the pass-catching work because I don't know how much – I'm not saying Royce Freeman can't catch. We just haven't seen him do it. Um, So, I I could see him having some value if you're getting him next to nothing, but I I like Freeman out of the backfield. I think Freeman is the running back to own. So – I hope you're right because I do. I own more Royce Freeman. <laughs> I own more Royce Freeman shares than I do Devonte Booker because there's a couple stingy owners in some leagues that won't give him to me cheap. Um, but I'm, I'm going with that rare third year running back breakout, and uh, Devonte Booker is just a guy I've been watching since his college career that I just have that gut feeling about. Yeah, and, no, and, I, and I don't I get know, it. and I don't know that Royce Freeman is enough. Uh, to take him away completely. Ultimately, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of timeshare there, but I like Booker. I think he's going to be a value, and and uh, there's like like you said, Tyler. There's not a lot there to back that up, but that's why I'm glad I got you on the show. I'm, I'm a hey, gut feeling guy, and Tyler's going to throw the stats what the hot at me. Take is. That's well, exactly uh, right. You know, anyways, I you know, but anyways, I, I understand. Um, so my next hot take, I'm going to borrow a little bit of strategy um, from my last episode. We talked about the NFC uh, East, uh, you know, and I found some interesting data that surprised me because a lot of times I just try to go in blind. But this is more for redraft than I suppose dynasty. Um, and it could be something that maybe it would help you in a, a dynasty super flex to go out and buy this person cheap. But this is going to sound so awful coming out <laughs> of the mouth. But I really like Eli Manning this year. That doesn't sound... I, I, you know, I don't think that sounds awful. So I, I looked it up. I just started... I started thinking like, okay, 
um, whatever. We'll just look at Eli Manning. He's a crappy quarterback, and let's just move on. But Eli Manning, since 2010, how many average attempts do you think he's had? Like, how many average of throws? Hmm. I would attempts. We're talking attempts. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go 450. He averages 575 attempts. My God. You don't think about that when you think about Eli Manning. So then last year was the first time he didn't throw for 4,000 yards since 2013. Last year was also his second worst fantasy season since 2013. Now, what is 2013? What's special about 2013? Well, something happened in 2014. What happened in 2014? With Eli, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. what do we have, a Super Bowl win in 14? Nope. There was a certain player that came onto the team. Mr. Beckham? Odell Beckham Jr. was drafted in the 2014 rookie draft. So the last 10 years, even including those Odell years, he averages 208 fantasy points. Okay? But with OBJ... So just the OBJ years, the three OBJ years where OBJ was healthy, 260 fantasy points. So he finds an extra 52 fantasy points magically when OBJ starts playing. So 12th, if he would have done that, let's say he would have played last year and had OBJ in May 260, he would have finished as quarterback 13. So, I mean, right underneath that quarterback one, um, redraft, he's basically 13th round, second to last quarterback. Um, I, you know, Eli's consistency over the last eight years, 36%, 36% of the time he's a quarterback one, 39% of the time he's a quarterback two, 23% of the time he's a quarterback three, and then the rest he's worse. So I started looking at some other people with similar consistency, Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr, without giving you all those, are almost identical consistency within the last eight years. So the problem I'm having is like, okay, Marcus Mariota and Carr are going to cost you more in Dynasty, and rightfully so, their age. But as far as Dynasty goes, I want him as a super flex, my quarterback three. I mean, he's 37 years old. OBJ is going to come back, and I think he's going to do a lot better. And in redraft, I think that getting him with my last pick or second to last pick is just value. I, I, I think that a lot of people would say that's hot, but I just, I'm looking at the stats. I'm seeing that with OBJ, he is a decent quarterback. I don't think he's the top five, but he is enough to where you could punt the position and just grab him at the end of the draft. I actually, I actually like it. And, and we haven't seen a lot of OBJ and Evan Ingram on the field at the same time with Ingram going into year two. I mean, that, that could open up things a lot more for Eli than he's had in a long time. Absolutely. And, and so that's the thing. I mean, and there's even Saquon's there. I think taking, I think his attempts will go down because of Saquon, but I think that um, Saquon's also going to catch a lot of balls. I don't think it's going to be as bad. And, you know, every ball that Saquon catches, let's say Saquon does a little sweet move and catches the ball and runs it one foot into the end zone. Well, congratulations. That's a touchdown for Eli. It's no longer forced <laughs> throws. You know, I, I, I just feel like there's all this upside with Eli being at his age and being that he hurt everybody last year. I mean, last year he was awful. I, I just feel like I don't want you to say that Eli is a great quarterback, but I think that. Here's my hot take, just to make it hot. I think Eli finishes as a quarterback one next year. That's 
an on fire hot take. But the best, and it is not out but of the question. You know what, Alex Smith? If you would have said that last year, people would have lost their minds. Yes, they would have. And I'm glad you segued into that because my bold prediction slash hot take uh, actually involves Alex Smith, and it doesn't so much involve fantasy. Unless you want to go the opposite direction. I mean, I do not believe uh, Alex Smith is going to finish as a QB1 in fantasy. It's not going to happen again. Uh, I don't think the Redskins support that. Uh, I don't think their coaching staff you know, supports a big fantasy season out of Alex Smith. But my hot take on Alex Smith is Alex Smith will lead the Redskins to a better record than Kirk Cousins from t- mm. 2017. And I, and I only say that. I only expect a one or two game improvement, but I expect that improvement because Darius Geis, I believe, is the real deal running back. And I think he's going to take a lot of pressure off of him. And I think that Jamison Crowder and you know some, some of the guys that play on that team are more of a fit for Alex Smith's passing style uh, than Kirk Cousins. Like this year, I expect Kirk Cousins. I expect Stephon Diggs to benefit greatly from Kirk Cousins. Uh, with the Vikings, but I expect Jameson Crowder and company in Washington to have a more efficient season, and I expect at least one win better for Washington next year. And I hate saying that because I think Alex Smith is not going to be a QB1 by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the Redskins will just be a more efficient, better team. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of teams that the quarterback isn't great, but yet they manage to you know, pull out wins and be a better team. I mean, you know, we talked about this with uh, the Eagles uh, in our our last episode. We talked about the Eagles and it was Nick Foles. And I thought that Nick Foles did a good job in the Super Bowl and the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But I think it was also a little whimsical. We made it a little bit more whimsical because of the situation and that they were winning. I don't know if it was all on the shoulders of Nick Foles was the reason they won the Super Bowl. And and so, you know, to be honest, if you look, Nick Foles had a quarterback rating of 80 last year, which for those of you who don't know, is not a fantastic quarterback rating. It's not no. a bad one. It's just not a good quarterback rating. So I think that, but the Eagles obviously won the Super Bowl and, and by default are the best team in the NFL. So you can have bad quarterback player or quarterback play that's not great and still be a terrific team i mean you know with the running back with the defense and like you were saying if he just fits their scheme so i, I you know I, I i could see it i don't want to own any alex smith in fantasy but no <laughs> no i don't either not at all I, i'm not even sure if i want to own some darius guys i mean i think he's going to be better uh, but i think he's going to be a guy that's a little overhyped too just just based off what that offense is going to be i don't know well the darius guys wanna... is going to get 250 carries I don't want to beat the dead horse because I've talked about this in our podcast. I talked about it in the open bar. Um, I'm going in on the dynasty manual um, tomorrow. And they, they, the reason why I'm going on that dynasty manual podcast tomorrow is because of what I said in the open bar is I said, I don't understand how most people say Darius guys is their one, two. I'm fine with him being the one, two, but when you turn around and talk about like, let's say a player like Jordan Howard, who finishes running back 10 in PPR two years ago, last year finishes running back 14 in PPR. If you say, hey, would you give Jordan Howard for the one-two, a.k.a. Darius Geis, there would be a strong no um, from that Twitter poll. People would say no, and I'm just like, to me, Darius Geis is a one-and-two-down running back that is going to be valuable. I'm not saying he isn't, but I think, Chris Thompson is going to take that role of a pass catcher. We saw it last year. I mean, Chris Thompson 
I, despite not playing um, for uh, those last six games, I forget what he finished as far as his um, um, status, but I, I believe he finished his running back uh, like 30-something. Uh, hold on, I can bet that really quick. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah he was definitely 28, still 28. up there. 28. He finished his running back 28 without playing six games. Like, he beat out Tariq Cohen. He beat out Isaiah Crowell, and he beat out Joe Mixon. So, I mean, Jay Ajahi, I mean, these are people that, so if that tells you how good Chris Thompson is, and that's what I say, is like, so to me, Giovanni, or Geis, although I like him, is a one and two down back, the same way as Jordan Howard. And so to me, I don't understand, like I've done it multiple times. I've had a couple leagues where I've had the one, two, and I've traded the one, two for Jordan Howard an extra. Because I'm hoping that Darius Geis is Jordan Howard. Right. And and that's probably his best comparison because, like you said, third downs he's he's not going to be on the field. And, and I say that, and people think that's hot, but I'm like Jordan Howard is rookie season. What was his average yards per attempt? You know, uh, it was around five. I know it really five, it, de- five it declined five point two, and last year it was four point one. Give it even with their terrible offense, and everybody knew that the Bears were just going to have to run the ball because that's all they could do. So I mean. If you were to tell me Darius Geis will average 5.2 yards his rookie season, I would be thrilled. And I would also be shocked because I would feel like that's a hot take. Majorly hot take. And yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what happens. You got the new hotness in town and we, you know, people forget about Chris Thompson. He was on pace for, you know, easily a top 20 running back finish. And we just forget oh, about it because now Geis is there. I a running back one if he didn't get injured. I mean, he finishes running back 28 without six games. I mean, that's just insane. Six, without six games? I mean, Aaron Rodgers missed, what, eight games? <laughs> like, you know, I, I just six games is a lot, and especially the pace he was at. I don't think Chris Thompson is done. And so that that's my thing. I like guys, but I feel like, just like you said, there's just too big of a price. I feel like the rookiness just, like, fogs our brain. Oh, it absolutely And we make does. them bigger than what they are. And to me, Darius Geis... I don't want Darius Geis to be my running back one on my team. No. I, I just don't. I no. want him to be my running back two, which is what Jordan Howard is for me and almost all my teams. And so it, that, that's my point. And I want to get off my soapbox with Jordan Howard because no one needs all that. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'm with you. I mean, honestly, if we if we look at it. I'm just giving you it, things to think about. People, we, people, stuff to think about. Yeah, that's what hot takes are all about. And, and honestly, people don't want to hear it, but. I mean, if you, if you look at the rookie running back class, which is a good one, how, how many of those guys are you comfortable with starting on your dynasty team from day one? To me, it's just Saquon. That's the only guy I'm comfortable with. Now, am I excited to have a Ronald Jones? Am I excited to have a Geis? Am I excited to have a, you know, Sony, Sony Michelle? Yes. But am I comfortable starting them? Not exactly. I'd be much more comfortable starting Jordan Howard like you were talking about. Exactly, and, and so that's that's my point. I feel like we just, I don't know, we we we're two wayward people. The off the off season gets long, and uh, rookie fever takes over, and cowbell doesn't fix it. Cowbell can't stop that fever. No. Um, all right, so I guess my next. Uh, my next hot take, and, and I don't even know really how hot this really is, um, but I believe, just personally, 
that Dion Lewis will be one of the biggest disappointments this year. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Uh, I, I think the Titans offense as a whole will be one of the biggest disappointments. Mariota, Derrick Henry, Dion Lewis, even Corey Davis. I'm not buying into any aspect of that offense. That's me. So, The only person I am buying into is I believe in Marcus Mariota, but I believe a lot more in the coaching staff that they brought in rather than I believe in the player, I suppose. Um, and I forget who, who sent it out, and I'm just, uh, you know, I'll try to vet that. But uh, somebody talked about how one of the most prolific ways um, that Marcus Mariota was successful last year was, it was it the bootleg? There was something he did. It was the bootleg or it was out of a certain package, and they ran it less than any other team in the NFL. Now, the offensive coordinator they brought in runs it more than anyone else in the NFL. So I, I, did, I think it's more of the coaching change that I see Marcus Mariota going up. Um, I'm not as uh, bullish on Corey Davis. I like him, but I think that he is a little more hyped than I want him to be as far as dynasty. Like, it's not that I dislike these people. I have a bad hat. I, I'm, I have, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm all about player value. Like, if there's something I'm about in the fantasy world, it is player value. It's a, and so a lot of times I get in trouble because I'll say I don't like this guy or I like this guy. And it's not that I don't like them or I like them. It's I don't like them for their price or I do like them for their price. Yeah, and Corey so Davis say is like, high. Yeah, you'll hear me say, like, oh, I'm not huge on Corey Davis. That doesn't mean that I don't think Corey Davis will do well. It just means that I don't like his value right now. And I'm I mean, the exact same way. That's and, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and you'll hear me say, turn around and say, oh, I really like Traquan Smith. And it's like, do I think that Traquan Smith is going to outplay Corey Davis? No. But it, I, it's it's a blessing because I'm, I'm looking at more of the price tag it's associated with their production, price versus you know price versus production. And so uh, Corey Davis is too expensive for my blood. I think I've moved him in a couple of leagues just because I'm able to take him and something else and upgrade my wide receiver situation. Um and so I like that. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to take Corey Davis and move him for like a Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I don't remember if there was anything given to me. If there was, it was small or vice versa. It was There was a third, I think, involved somewhere. I got a third. I gave a third. I don't know. But it wasn't enough for me to say. And the reason I did that is because I've seen Juju do it. I've not seen Corey Davis shown that production yet. And I'm just going for the safer pick. And, and it could bite me in the butt, but we'll see. But I, my, my issue is is that Deion Lewis last year was the first time he played all 16 games. And I think you had a rare situation, too, where Deion Lewis was fantastic because um, Mike Gellisley, uh, uh, you know, just wasn't really doing it. Not, not really the way we wanted him to. And I also think you saw a situation, too, where uh rex burkhead i think had some fumbling issues and so when you started going to the depth of it he kind of became the guy by default and and he was productive as the guy by default but he also is very injury prone i think that i don't know if he'll play 16 games this year and to me the problem is with Deion lewis is his price has just risen so much even in dynasty we just forget that he's 27 years old and he has he has, I will say, he is injury prone. 
Uh, but we just didn't see it last year. We saw the production instead. And we also see, too, where quarterback running backs also kind of fall off after they leave the Patriots. The Patriots are such a great system that they can make a lot of people look really good. Um, that's the reason why they make you know Mike Gellisley look great. That's the reason why they make Rex Burkhead. All these were people were running back twos on other teams, but the Patriots have this magical, whimsical juice that they feed all their players that makes them amazing now. And then when they leave, all of a sudden the secret sauce is gone. Uh, and I don't know what it is. It, it may be like Bugs Bunny with the secret sauce and Space Jam, and they're just passing around, you know. Um, but it, you know, and so you see that with Blout. Blout went to the Eagles and did what last year? I mean, and Blout was amazing at the Patriots. So uh, what I worry about is just the price with Deion Lewis. I feel like there's too many people taking him higher and higher in Dynasty, and I'm like, 27 years old, injury prone, hoping to carve out a role in Tennessee for a guy that's already been there. I, no, I think Deion Lewis is going to be one of your your big disappointments. And I agree. I, I mean, the Patriots offense stays on the field uh the titans offense i i don't have a lot of faith in i don't think Deion lewis is going to get as much opportunity and like you said i think the patriots well you didn't say this exactly but i believe the patriots wanted burkett or gillisley to be that guy and it just didn't work out so the default the fallback Deion lewis so good for him that he got the contract good for him that you know he's got this opportunity in tennessee to possibly be thought of more highly than he ever was in new england but i don't see it either but while we're on the topic of running backs i'll give my last hot take and you're more than welcome to to throw one out there before we end the our special f3 brfs you know coast special which i'm super pumped about but my last one uh philadelphia there's not a lot that i can analyze of philadelphia carson wentz is rumored to be on track to play game one which is absolutely amazing uh, I don't think that uh, team's going to And actually, take... breaking news, he got cleared by the doctor to do seven by seven on seven. Yeah. That actually broke today. Yep. So. Earlier this morning. So, I mean, he's it's looking really good for him. And uh, poor Nick Foles, I wish he would have got traded because, I mean, I do think he is a starting caliber quarterback. Bottom half of the league, but I think he's starting caliber. But I think uh, by the time midseason comes, the running back to own in Philadelphia, this may not be a majorly hot take, but for people that – aren't big uh, podcast listeners or, or don't dive deep into fantasy uh, and just do a lot of redraft. I think this could be surprising to them, but Corey Clement to me is going to be the guy to own in Philadelphia at the running back position in 2018. Okay. And the only thing I can really add to that is Jay I just, I don't believe in him. His stats dropped off, dropped off like crazy with Miami even the year before, I mean, take away some of those 200-yard games, and this guy's not an RB1. I mean, I like the ability. I like what he showed when he got to Philadelphia. I mean, he's still got some burst, and he's still got some, you know, some violence in his runs. But I think Corey Clement is just going to be one of those guys that improves year by year. And as, if you're playing PPR, I, I just really feel it's, it's the gut feeling. Uh, I think you can take the playoff run and it, what he did in the Super Bowl – and I want to project it to next year. And I, I just think he's going to be the best running back on the team. I think he's going to be a true surprise. Uh, he's the guy that, you know, is probably going to catch the ball out of the backfield. I know they brought Sproles back. But Sproles is what? Is he 56 now? Did he turn 56 this yeah. year? I mean, he's he's, up to, He applied for Social Security. Yes, yes. In Ohio, we have what's called the Golden Buckeye card. I believe he has one of those just from swinging through Ohio. And that gets you discounts at Ponderosa, Shoney's, the Sizzler. Mm. 
Uh, Probably like free coffees at McDonald's and stuff. Absolutely. And I think he's got those discount cards. And I'm just making a gut projection. Corey Clement, uh, maybe maybe it's because I follow him on social media. Maybe it's because I see how dedicated he is to the game. Uh, But I just have that feeling that Corey Clement should have been drafted. Corey Clement uh, should have stopped the Eagles from burning a fourth to get Jay Ajayi. I know it helped him, you know, win a Super Bowl. And LeGarrette Blunt is no barn burner but Corey Clement's a guy to watch I'm picking him up everywhere because honestly he is kind of like Devontae Booker and Matt Bereda you don't have to pay a lot for Corey Clement he's going to be a little pricier than those guys uh, just because he's projected to be their pass catching back but I still think you can get him probably for a late second uh, maybe even an early third and maybe a a toss-in player thinking Amara Darbo that everybody's high on right now even though Seattle doesn't really support two wide receivers Throw a Darbo and a third. Grab you some Clement and uh, just hope my gut is right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm the resident Jai hater. I've never been a big fan. We actually talked about it in our last podcast. Jonathan, uh, the guy that was doing them, was talking about how he could see him being good and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, last year, Jai in PPR was running back 36. He fell right behind Orleans Darkwa. And I was like, I just can't project a guy to do well so the reason why jhi did well at the at the miami was because there was no one else to do well i was like he sheer volume that's all it was and and i don't think the eagles are going to give him volume and i was like so i mean jhi finished behind jamal williams and isaiah crowell and Tariq cohen and Bowell powell he fell behind chris thompson who played 10 games Theo Riddick was more prolific than Jay Ajayi last year. Absolutely. And, I mean, you can get those guys for what? I mean, uh, C.J. Anderson finishes running back 18 last year, and I know he's changed teams, but I would rather have C.J. Anderson than Jay Ajayi. I agree with you 100%. So we must both be resident Jay Ajayi haters. Yeah, and I think that you could send Jay Ajayi for C.J. Anderson right now. Oh, absolutely. And more. You could probably grab more. You could probably grab an yeah. Albert Wilson or a, uh, you know, absolutely. a, a Traquan Smith. Guys. The only thing I will say about Corey Clement, I do like that take. Here's my only word of caution. In Dynasty, I can see this happening for this year. I worry, though, about next year. Because there was a lot of talk about the Eagles even grabbing a running back this year. Yes, there was. And that's what I worry about. And so here's my my thing. Let's suppose they don't grab a running back this year, uh, like Demarco Murray's flirting around. I don't think he'll go there, but let's let's say he doesn't. And it is. I can see Corey Clement being a really good running back there, and him having a very good year. He finishes running back fifty, I think, last year. Um, so not great, but I think he could see more volume and more course, like you were saying. But I would also be willing to, in the middle of the season, it'll be hard to do if he's doing well, but middle towards the end of the season, I try to sell him. Because I feel like you're you're going to see a, 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 the Eagles grab another rookie running back next year. And I don't know who, and I don't. it's not the best running back class or anything like that. I'm just saying that it, it could happen. And so um, Corey Clement, although I like him, I'm all about the buy low right now, but you also got to remember to sell high when that stock rises. And that, and that goes for anybody. I, I told people, uh, not, but before the 2017 season to sell Mike Evans and people thought I was crazy, but I was like, 
Right now, Mike Evans is getting talked about as the 1-1 one, one or the 1-2 in a startup dynasty league. How does he go up from there? Right. He has to maintain that value in order for this to be horrific for you. So do you think he's staying at the value of a 1-1-1-2? One, 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 and the answer I said was no. He had 176 targets that year. He will never see 176 targets again. And they brought in Deshaun Watson, and then they brought in O.J. Howard, and he didn't. And then now they've brought in Ronald Jones, who people are saying is a pass catching back. I don't see Mike Evans seeing 175 targets ever again in his career. Now, is he still a good wide receiver? Sure. But is he what is was he worth the value you played paid two years ago right. or a year ago at this time? No, he wasn't. And so that's why I tell people everybody is for sale on my team because I have to buy low and sell high. And that's when you win dynasties. That's how you win. I traded Mike Evans. For the one four, the one nine, and Michael Thomas last year. That's a absolute steal. That's but at that's the what time, you need to do. People told me that was a fair trade because Mike Evans' price was that high, yep. and that's why I tell people I'm not against selling anyone. It's just a matter of who I think is priced too high and who is priced too low. And right now, I think that Corey Clement could be very well priced too low. But I'm telling you, if he is, if this comes to fruition, like you're talking about, which I can see happening, be okay with selling high too. Yeah, don't that, ever get stuck thing. on a player to where you wouldn't sell them. It's it's a it's a bad strategy to hold on to guys thinking that no one else is ever going to produce like them. Yeah, and, and I I say the thing same thing about like Todd Gurley. I love Todd Gurley. The amount of stuff that I'm seeing, I'm seeing like Leonard Fournette plus first. And I'm just like, okay, guys, this is very similar to the Mike Evans situation. <laughs> like, how does his price? It, it, I was like, think about it as a stock market. That's what I say. How does Todd Gurley's price get higher? Well, it can't. That's the only problem with this is that unlike the stock market, stock market you can make the stock as big as you want, ten thousand dollars. But in fantasy football, especially in dynasty, the person that has the highest price is the cap. So the price on Todd Gurley, you cannot get higher. A lot of people are taking him with the 1-1. One, one. So you're buying him and hoping he maintains the 1-1 one, one status. If he doesn't, you've messed up. Absolutely. And that's that's a great strategy to live by because if, if you've got players that simply are not available, you're doing it wrong. Everybody should be available. Everybody has a price. And, and that's what I tell people. Imagine a stock that literally says $10,000 is the most it could ever get to doesn't matter what's going on, but it's $10,000. Would you go and buy that stock at $10,000? Absolutely not. Because you're literally, you would be buying the stock going, yep, it's just going to, it's going to stay here. Yes. And it's just like, I, I, I just don't believe, I, I think that's something that you just have to, so I'm big about player values. I, I think I, I, if there's something I excel at, I suppose in fantasy football, that's like my thing is just valuing players and looking at just picks and stuff like that. So, but I had a great time. I appreciate you having me on. I've, Absolutely. I've now. I'm super pumped. We we finally got to do this. And, and like I said, folks listening to this show, you know, if you haven't checked out F3, which chances are you have, but if you haven't, it's a great show. They bring great information and uh, they're, they're good guys to boot. So anytime you can find good guys with a great show with information that will help you win your league, 100% go download the newest episode and uh, make F3 part of your franchise. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tyler, man. I appreciate it. Uh, again, I hope to do it again soon. And if you guys ever want anybody on the show, 
me knit or arms would absolutely love to come on you guys have been great to us since we got into this and uh thanks again man it was good talking to you and uh, everybody enjoy the episode me and tyler will talk to you next time on our separate shows all right see ya thanks tyler have a good one man this concludes another episode of the back row fantasy show thanks for listening and be sure to give us a review 